you know, I asked this question in my, in my class, like in my classes, I, I asked, you know, are you taking care of the tomato or is the tomato taking care of you? And when you, you know, when you start to examine some of these questions that, that are coming to you while you're in the garden, you start to realize like that the whole frame of reference that we have, our relationship to the garden, our relationship to, to this planet is our whole lens of that relationship is very skewed. Right. And it's this, it's, you know, it comes down to at the very fundamentals of our lens is separation and saying that, you know, we, just the language that we use is so funny. Like I grew this plant, you know, like, did you grow the plant? You know, like, is there, are you instrumental to the plant's growth? You know, do you ever, do you ever say to your, oh, do you ever say like, Hey, this is my child. I grew her. Hi, my name's Katya, and this summer, I was lucky enough to sit down with Farmer Rishi, a regenerative gardener, educator, consultant, and poet based out of Los Angeles, to talk about his projects, expanding the concept of regeneration, and shifting our society's value systems to place greater worth on our relationships with each other, ourselves, and our Earth. You can find Farmer Rishi on Instagram, at Farmer Rishi, that's R-I-S-H-I, or FarmerRishi.com. Hope you enjoy. I've been in, I know I've unintentionally got into urban farming um, after I graduated college, which was around, uh, well, actually, no, I, I was, uh, I started, I helped start a community garden uh, while I was in college uh, at, at UC San Diego. Um, and then I, I went and stayed on uh, Dr. Vanna Sheva's farm in India for a couple months. Uh, during and after college, and and then when I um, when I finished when I came back to the U.S., uh, you know, I was just I was telling my parents, you know, like, hey, I I want to be a farmer, you know, <laughs> and and, uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do or how to do anything, and they were kind of like, my parents are actually quite supportive. Uh, in that way and and so they're like why don't you just start um, you know farming the yard you know in our in our suburban house here um, so that's how I got into it I had no intention of of becoming an urban farmer or urban gardener uh, and and my work over the past 10 years has spanned from you know starting that garden at my parents house still that uh, we maintain as a family, my mom and I, my mom and I primarily, and it's a it's a garden that's very well known uh, in the gardening world here in LA, as a, uh, you know, what I see as an example of what how re what regeneration plays out like, you know, in a in a homescape. Uh, I started a farm, uh, an urban farm, in 2014. And we we operated a CSA there for years. We operated a farmer training program for several years. Uh, it is currently a uh, farm growing produce for our family and a little bit for sale. And uh, we also now we're moving. We're 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 about a year into building out a nursery over there. We're growing you know fruit trees and perennial vegetables and herbs for for the community. Um, and 
this whole time also I've been, you know, I've been very deep on the education side of things, teaching, um, teaching classes. We had the farmer training program I mentioned at the farm uh, and just trying to, you know, con convince other people of the, the value of this work and, and what, um, I don't know, what gardening can, can bring to you, you know, what gardening has to offer, which I think a lot of people don't really understand, you know, like once you, when you talk to a gardener, like they're very, gardeners are very clear about like why they garden, right? There's a lot of really deep food, you know, there's the experience, there's the beauty. Um, and I think people have trouble like seeing that from the outside. Um, and so that's what I try to do through through my teaching work. Kind of give people a glimpse into like, you know, why I feel like this is a powerful practice. Yeah, just like it's something that I think we as a society, and not including gardeners, but you know, generally as a society, we're very dismissive of gardening. We're dismissive dismissive of gardeners. We don't understand like why would you do this? You know, like, why would you go outside and labor in the like, you know, Who wants to do that? Um, and uh, so I, 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 yeah, I really just try to, I'm, I'm trying my best to, to show and express why this is important and, and why I do it and why so many other people do it. And, you know, in food and, and much beyond, you know, food or, or you could say in, uh, deeper meanings of food than than what we put in our mouth so um thank you yeah you spoke a little bit about um so about the like connection that farmers will feel just like or, and gardeners like being outside being in the sun the beauty of it the rewards that you get from um engaging with the soil and with the earth um, in one of your poems I was reading earlier, you were talking about that relationship that you have with the earth, one of giving energy and giving compost and tending to it and getting something back. Um, I was wondering if you could um, speak a little bit to the necessity of relationship and how that um, promotes healing, both like for ourselves inside and then for like the earth outside if you're going to make that delineation yeah yeah um yeah i think you know when when i got into gardening and what i understood from like a lot of the gardening classes that i took was that uh you know or what we try to do as gardeners is we try to like we try to pull from the earth right and and it's all about you know especially in this i feel like in this recent world of, of urban edible gardening which is still a lot of what I see right now, right? Is we're talking about, you know, people are like, oh, I, I want to rip out my grass and I only want to grow food and I want to grow as much food as possible. And I want to like, and it's this very like the garden as almost as like a factory of, you know, of food, right? And it, it's, its purpose is production. Um, and, and that's very much how I started gardening and how I gardened for years. And it, I don't know, there was a very like 
difficult process that I went through and understanding like what is it that you know what is it that keeps me here and what is what is my you know what is the the meaning of this of this work for me and it, you know if the meaning of the work of your work for you is just lettuce and tomatoes like that's not going to be very very long for a period but uh i think to to keep doing this you really have to understand you know what what is feeding you right and and yes i get food from the garden um but there's some there's a, a there's a deeper relationship that's forming in, in in me understanding that uh you know i asked this question my in my class like in my class i i asked you know are you taking care of the tomato or is the tomato taking care of you and when you you know when you start to examine some of these questions that that are coming to you while you're in the garden you start to realize like that the whole frame of reference that we have our relationship to the garden our relationship to to this planet is our whole lens of that relationship is very skewed right and it's this it's you know it comes down to at the very fundamentals of our lens is a separation and saying that you know we just the language that we use is so funny like i grew this plant you know like did you grow the plant you know like is there are you instrumental to the plant's growth you know do you ever do you ever say to your, oh do you ever say like hey this is my child i grew her yeah, like you would never use that language with your children but you use that language with your plants like like you're like this external force that is that is the cause of every, you know their whole life um and so it's just really strange like uh i think when you can be in the garden and when you can really sit and you can see without all the lenses of society you start to understand like hey all of these ways that i've been conceptualizing the garden conceptualizing myself conceptualizing my place in the garden conceptualizing who i am and so then you start to like okay take this lens off and take that lens off and really just be like you know it's it's a you're it's a nakedness you know you like you you feel that nakedness you feel that sense of intimacy and belonging and relationship with the space that you're co-creating with the plants and with the insects and with the, and you're co-designing this this being um i don't even remember what your question is at this point but i've been rambling for a while and, and I, i i think i answered it in some way yeah yeah no i love that um it's very clear it comes through a lot um your love for being there and also the um that like something that you talked about that um sort of hit a nerve with me is how we will talk about like i grew this this land is productive for me i'm going to like take from it i think that that's also a mentality that we have very strongly towards people and towards ourselves when we are in this um society that we've constructed that tells us is an inevitable way of being but that like our our worth and other people's worth derives from how productive they are and how much they do and like add to society um and then also not realizing that that society at the same time stops a lot of people from achieving their potential from um 
in adding the gifts that they have because we've constrained their productivity to such a small portion. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the, I, I just want to say something about that. Like, I think, you know, it's, it's exactly what you're saying that, you know, how we treat land, how we treat gardens, it's exactly how we treat ourselves, it's how we treat our fellow human beings, how we treat animals, it's how we treat, you know, it's how we treat everything on that is this earth. Um, and, and that's what really like made it clear for me that, you know, it was like, no matter how beautiful the gardens I created were, uh, you know, it didn't matter how many butterflies and how many hummingbirds and, and you know, how much fruit and how much soil health, like, it was like, no matter what I did to build up these gardens, no matter how I, how wonderful they were, it was very, it was very clear to me on so many different levels that a lot of, a lot of our society had no value for this, you know, and that there's no, uh, especially like the part that's most clear even is like the financial value, you know, this from an economic standpoint, these gardens have no value, no value. There's, it's almost impossible to make a living, you know, doing this work. And I know so many gardeners that have uh, across LA that have started projects and had them fall apart because they just they can't sustain them, you know. And and that then that that kind of financial hardship turns into a, a mental hardship, turns into a physical hardship. And I've seen so many people uh, in this world break down break down over years or be forced to leave the work. Um, and it's just like it all comes down to like what we're valuing, who we're valuing, what work we're valuing, how we're just how we're measuring value, um, and I think just working with land has made it very clear to me that you know, yeah, it's just none of this work is is seen as um, I mean, forget this work like beauty is not giving given any value, um, and and a lot of uh, like you said like value is measured on productivity and and uh so we assume that i don't know because of that we assume that people that land that you know beings that have been abused and damp you know abused and raped essentially are useless because they're no longer able to have product you know able to create any productivity and so we deem them as useless and we toss them aside. Yeah, and it's, it's really painful. It's really painful to see. Um, a lot of the research that I've been doing recently um, around like food sovereignty, for example, and food justice more specifically in the United States, I think food justice has like a bigger pull in the United States is um, work that's led by black people um, and by indigenous people also, but specifically by black people who have been so disenfranchised and so oppressed by the systems, their lands have been taken, their labor has been abused, been targeted by police. Um, and during this time, we're seeing that, um, especially right now in the past few weeks with like just so many, so much solidarity suddenly happening, so many more protests happening. Yeah. Um, uh, so, for example, one of the books that I'm reading is called Freedom Farmers, 
Um, it's by Dr. Monica White. Um, and so she talks about, it's called Agricultural Resistance and the Black Freedom Movement. Um, yeah. And it's talking about the power that Black people historically have derived from being in connection with the land um, by like owning land, feeding themselves, feeding their communities, creating communal ownership sort of um, things. And these are all, most of these projects have had to exist sort of contrary to the dominant system, which talks about like one person owns this land, sells the products, gets food. Anyway, so sort of just between, um, between that, <laughs> um, I was wondering if we could talk about the your most recent poem that I um, that texted you about, um, but in which you were calling attention to it's not just the problem with carbon that like is the big issue. Um, and towards the end, you got to how like black is the color of the soil and the uh, issue with like not having black people in our organizations and in power and making decisions is something that's undermining so much progress that we need to see. Um, yeah. So I wonder if you could talk to that a little bit about that within sort of the context of like regeneration, like what does it mean to... <laughs> <laughs> what, is it, what does regeneration mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think even for me, the, you know, this, the quest, this question has become more prominent and, and, and the um, the depth of it has become more becoming more obvious to me, um, especially with you know the the Black Lives Matter movement right now, because uh, you know what what I was what I was intending to talk about with that poem and which I'm actually going to do a follow up on that, but you know number one this idea of, of climate change um, being this kind of like big amorphous ambiguous thing that you know and it, it and at the same time it's like boiled down to this carbon you know um, and and there's you know all these the solutions that we talk about uh, or that we hear about I guess in the media all have to do with carbon sequestration and and even now, uh, you know, what I didn't get to, what I didn't get to in, in that piece was talking about regenerative agriculture and, and how, you know, what I'm seeing now is like regenerative agriculture is becoming also focused on carbon and, and sequestering soil carbon and, and uh, you know, how can we get the most land under, you know, no-till and and regenerative grazing and perennial crops and 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 that is all you know like if you if you see projects that are are doing those things they're so powerful and they're so compelling and they're so beautiful and that is very kind of uh maybe hypnotizing i would say in in like you can say you know, a lot, a lot of what people are saying right now is like, here's the solution to climate change. It, you know, it all has to do with how we take care of land. Um, and I think that is, you know, how we take care of land is a tremendous part of the change that we need to make. Uh, 
the part that we're missing is how we treat ourselves and how we treat each other and how we treat, you know, the, the way that, like we said before, right, the, the way that we treat land is a reflection of how we treat ourselves. And it's especially a reflection of how we treat those who are, um, I don't know, least valued in our society. And so if you're talking about, you know, regenerating land and regenerating soil, but you're not talking about regenerating health, regenerating, you know, physical health, mental health, regenerating the health of uh, communities that have been historically oppressed, abused, disenfranchised, disempowered, then your picture of regeneration, you're only getting a very small, small piece of it. And, and I think that, you know, the piece that we, that regenerative agriculture likes to focus on, the reason that we focus on that is because it's very easy, you know, it's, it's something we're comfortable with, right? It's physical, it's physical practices. You can, it can be a little bit more like, uh, you know, here's like a little, here's a set of rules almost that you can follow, which is not really, that's not really what regenerative agriculture is, um, but they try to prescribe you a set of rules. They try to give you the, the implements, the how-to, um, and there's no, there doesn't have to be too much of questioning around the system around regenerative agriculture, right? Like it can, it can exist within the current economy. It can exist within the current social structure. We don't need to talk about race. We don't need to talk about land ownership. We don't need to talk about like, it's just neat and clean and easy, right? And it doesn't ask us to do any self-reflection or it doesn't ask us to do too much self-reflection. Um, and so I think that's where you know, what we hear about regenerative agriculture, it's, it's so limiting right now. And so what I'm trying to do is open up the conversation, especially among that community and say, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> um, I see what you're doing and I don't think it's gonna work unless we start having this broader, broader conversation. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to trying to say like, yeah, we we need to talk about uh, how people of color are treated. We need to talk about how people of color are valued, are paid. Uh, I think there's uh, a and you know our society is so funny about money. And when I talk to people of color in and in the especially in the garden, you know, I'm in the gardening world. So when I talk to people of color in the gardening world, like we are actually quite focused on money. When I talk to white people in the gardening world, they're focused on social impact, they're focused on climate change, they're focused on like all these different things. And the people of color, the black people, you know, they're, we're focused on money. We need money to keep doing what we're doing. And it's just a very interesting you know, dichotomy to see how people of color are, you know, the thing that like we're focused on the thing that society says you shouldn't be focused on, right? Um, but it's like that's that's what we need to keep doing what we're doing. And that's such an essential contradiction that exists: is you you need money to survive, to do anything, to feed yourself, even if you're growing your own food for like a place to live. And yet, at the same time, especially when you're doing work that's supposed to be good. There's just like, no, 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 money's not, money's yeah. not part of that. <laughs> not part of that. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, there's this, I mean, so many, so many levels of schizophrenia within this culture, right? Uh, so many ways that we separate and box and categorize and, and yeah, part of what I see regeneration as is just getting, just breaking down all those walls and saying, you know, is, money is needed, the impact is needed, you know, this is, this is spiritual, this is material, they're the same thing. Uh, and at the same time, we have the power to, to kind of uh, push against those forces. So it's, uh, or even just hop over them. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it requires, um, there's much more of a dance you know, than following rules. My mom once told me when I was like 16 or something, she goes, you need to know what all of the rules are so you can see them all laid out on the ground and then you can just walk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's Russian. Um, and growing up yeah. in the Soviet Union, I think very much colored that perspective a lot too. Um, but great. Um, sorry? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so in our most recent question, we talked a little bit about like what regeneration like definitely is not. Um, can, <laughs> um, can I ask you a little bit like what, what is regeneration to you from environment to spirit to social structure and economic structure? For me, one of the basic principles behind regeneration is treating the world that we live in, treating the earth, treating everything that is the earth, every expression as earth of earth as living. Um, we, our culture, and, and I, I'm specific when I say these words because I've there's a lot of uh, demonizing of people. You know, we say people are oh, people are causing climate change, and people are doing this, and people are doing that. Like, I want to be very clear that it's our culture that's doing this. And so our culture treats everything that's not essentially a white male as either less than human or worse, dead, right? Because if something is dead, so we've, we've treated soil like it's dead. We've treated, we tr we've treated plants like they're dead. But I want to go beyond that even though I want to say, for me, regeneration is treating the world as the living being that she is, which means that seeing all of the, you know, everything we live in, live with, everything we live in as living, seeing it all. And this is something that, you know, if you, if you understand indigenous cultures, almost all indigenous cultures see the world as living. They see, you know, things that we call objects, they call beings. You know, uh, animals are referred to as sibling, as referred to as sibling, but even rocks are referred to as grandparents. And, you know, uh, soil is referred to as grandparents. But comes from that point of view, or not a point of view, but comes from that relationship is a relationship of respect, of valuing, and that comes down to like something very basic, like. You know, just like this chair I'm sitting on, right? If I viewed it as an object, then it can be broken and it can be thrown away and I can buy a new one. 
if the chair I'm sitting on is a living being deemed worthy of, of respect and of care, then I'm gonna, when I'm with my chair, and I'm taking, a, I'm purposely choosing a, you know, something quite what we would call, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, something we would not pay attention to, right? Um, but when, if I'm treating this chair as, as a living being that she is, then when I sit on her, I'm going to make sure that I don't like plop down on her and I'm not going to slam her against the wall. And I'm going to, you know, make sure that her wood is oiled, that she's taken care of and that she lives a long and, and healthy life. Right. And that's, you know, for me, that's, that's like a, a very fundamental form of regeneration, just treating the, treating everyone, everyone that we live with, with respect uh, and care and love and 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 that the i think the most difficult person or being to do that with in the society is ourselves and so that's you know re, for me like when i teach regenerative gardening you know my my secret agenda is to try to get people to see that you know they are worthy of being treated with they're worthy of treating themselves with care and respect and love because uh, that's something that I did not understand for many years, and I'm still I still struggle with, and I still uh, am learning and and uh, um, practicing every day. Um, yeah, so that's kind of fun, you know, the, the very fundamental for me. And just um, going off that a little bit uh, in like healing ourselves. You, I think I saw something on your website where you talk about regenerating communities. So what does it look like to a regeneration of communities? Like, What does it mean to extend that care to a community? What is that? What would that look like? I think that's something that I, you know, I, I'm understanding still myself. But what I can say is it means, um, it means, Treating the, you know, not treating the people that you live with, that live around you as disposable, treating, treating everyone as, as uh, a person who has value, a person who is looking for belonging, a person who is looking for a sense of purpose, um, a per person who is actually wanting to contribute. And maybe that, maybe, you encounter someone who doesn't know how to contribute yet, who doesn't um, have uh, this, a skill yet that they understand to contribute. But it's fundamentally knowing that that person has the potential, right? And in their potential, in the, the potential is always there. And because the potential is always there, the value is always there. That's all. That's I think that's another fundamental concept of regeneration is that the value is not based on anything. You know, our society bases value on productivity. What I would put forth is that the value is unchanging, inherent, unmovable, unchangeable. Like the value is just always there. So being a regenerative community is where people understand that everyone has value, that people go through difficult times, and those difficult times don't, doesn't mean that they've gone crazy or they've lost it or, you know, just 
really what it means is that they are you know people are processing the tremendous amount of trauma that we're all subjected to in the society and that we have different ways of processing that trauma that we don't necessarily right now have a lot of tools or or resources for handling that trauma and so it, it gets expressed in like so many different ways that are really hard to see and understand um and so uh i think being in a regenerative community just requires a lot of understanding it requires patience in uh knowing that it takes you know it takes time for people to to heal from these things um it also means you know working together building each other up uh, not trying to extract value from each other working in in uh cooperation and and i and i you know there's there's this whole thing between like cooperation and 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 competition and we see those as opposite and and i would say that those are not those are not opposite there's like you know there's a there's a play in competitiveness and in that play there's there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of fun and there's we have to stop seeing these things as separate and actually that they're they're joined there's a, a cooperative you know there's a competitive cooperativeness or whatever you want to say right um so yeah that's i don't know that's what i could say about that for now and it's still it's definitely still something i'm i'm working to understand myself awesome thank you so much um just this on another note have you heard of braiding sweetgrass by robin wall kimmerer yes yes have you read it definitely one of one of my one of the books I, I recommend to a lot of people. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think she's, she's beautiful in, you know, the in, in, in exactly like the way she um, she brings all these uh, it's uh, contradictions, what we see as contradictions. Indigenous peoples and indigenous cultures, they see as as like a marriage you know like these things exist together um and so it's moving out of like it's moving out of uh i care for the earth but i drive the car and into like i care for the earth and i drive a car and that's not a contradiction and uh yeah i i, I love you know her marriage of just who you know how, how she is in the world like seeing science and scientific worldview and the indigenous worldview and how they overlap and her writing is just you know the whole book is poetry i was listening to it while i was um i've been downloading audiobooks and listening to them on the farm because it's a great thing to do when we're <laughs> picking veggies um but yeah some of the stuff that you were saying was just reminded me of that so i wanted to I'm I'm glad that you've read it. It's a great book. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's, I mean, her book has become really popular in in these circles. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the things that has been, two of the things that stood out to me the most that I've been thinking about a lot often is her description of the gift economy um, and how everyone has a gift, and with every gift comes a responsibility. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and sort of that in contrast to the view of like the need to extract and take as much as you can to like survive and all the examples that she gives about how humans um, have like positive relationship with the earth and the like need. I think it was so beautiful when she was talking about the strawberries when she was a kid and she would just like clear out a little spot so the strawberries could root down. It's like, yeah, it's such a small, like sweet little thing, but like, yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, that, those are, I think those stories are really um, powerful right now. You know, like, you know, um, most 99.9% of people think that we, people in this culture, I should say, think there's no no way for us to relate with Earth other than through extraction. Or even relate, you know, with anyone except through extraction. Um, and so those stories are really just like, they just break, you know, they very quickly just like shatter that, that viewpoint. Um, and that's all, you know, like, see this, this patio garden as like a metaphor of that because it's it's like I, when I'm when I moved here there was this there's just concrete wall concrete floor you know concrete wall there's there's no there's no plants around like anywhere here and and uh, I've been you know I just had I just had a monarch butterfly hatch like on my screen door there's a, there's a there's a cocoon shell like right up there okay. and she just she literally hatched last night we came in and uh, she was on the screen i have a video and a picture of it um and so just telling people those little stories like you know look like i just helped a monarch butterfly hatch on this in this concrete box you know in the middle of la and you know and i've got 10 different types of flowers blooming and I have a pond and I have bees coming to drink from drink water from my pond and you know pond and eat from my basils and and there's hummingbirds I have this little pond here and uh, I had a hummingbird come and take a bath I have a video of a hummingbird taking a bath right in here and you know it's like that's that's what people need to see that it's not it's not something we need to go and do out there. It's not something that someone else needs to do out there. You know, it's not something we need to pay someone to do. It's just, it's right here, right? It's all right here. And even if you don't have this space, you can start right here. You know, there's no, there's no lack of opportunity to start doing this. Thanks again so much to Farmer Rishi for taking the time to speak with me. This interview is part of a larger documentary project, which I hope to release in 2021, and I'm looking forward to sharing that soon. I hope you enjoyed listening. I also want to give a big thank you to Max Havis for his intro and outro music. Max can be found on Spotify. His name is M-A-X and then Havis, H-A-V-A-S. You should go give him a listen. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye.